When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A recent study has found that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who mention it. Schmackamagob, welcome to another Vieira Vault, and this week is a great one, man. I got an interview with Robert Duncan, who worked for Cream Magazine. He's got some really cool stories. You know, uh, it's the sound quality is different on this. It's still, you can make it out fine. You're just going to tell. It doesn't sound like the regular episode, because the Skype kept freezing that day, and there was no other option. I just put them on the phone, put the phone near the microphone and you can make it out fine. Just to let you know, you're going to tell, uh, you're going to see a big difference in the, well, not a big difference. Yeah, I guess it is a big difference, but it's still, you can still make out everything he says. It's a really awesome interview and he's got some really cool stories of uh, what went on back in the day and the shenanigans the people of Cream Magazine were doing at the time the only rock and roll magazine. And uh, here's my interview with Robert Duncan. Enjoy. All right, this week I'm honored. I have Mr. Robert Duncan with me. How you doing today, Robert? I'm good, Ralph, and I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to meeting. Yeah, this is great. Uh, we tried the Skype thing. It didn't work, so we're doing this on the, on, on the phone. So, uh, But I'm sure it's going to come out well. And... Uh, Boy, you have a story to tell, but before you go into your story, I'll give you a little back, uh, back history on uh, my love for Cream Magazine uh, when I was a young kid in the 70s, a preteen going into my teens. Uh, it was a very, you know, for me, you know, because the 70s was such a, uh, I mean, even though we had like Fritz the Cat and what have you, it was still a very innocent time compared to today. Don't you agree? I, you know, I guess so. Although, though, when you start looking back on it, well, it was, <laughs> it could be pretty nasty, too. Yeah, well, remember the sitcoms, like All in the Family. I don't think you can get away with stuff like that today. No, yeah, and just, you know, just the general pop culture was, was could be pretty extreme. Yeah, it was. Um, and, uh, but Cream Magazine, to me, was extreme. Uh, yeah. I would, uh read it and it was kind of like you know because i i never read playboy or anything like that so it was kind of like my playboy magazine uh because of right. uh, you know a little and and what made it so different than other magazines that you guys would poke fun at bands and yeah. and even yeah. poke fun at yourselves i remember some cream magazine poking fun at yourselves and yeah, oh sure <laughs> how did how did you there get, were no go ahead no sacred cows that's right how did you get involved? How did you get involved in Cream Magazine? Well, I I, I met a guy, just a 
completely serendipitously. I had been in bands for many years, and I decided that, you know, and every time you're just about, something's about to happen for the band, um, you know, the drummer would quit or the guitar player would die or whatever. And uh, so I finally decided, you know, forget it. I got to... Uh, I got to do something that I can do by myself. And I thought I was always a, a good writer. And I thought, well, I'll write about something. You know, I'll write about what I know, like, like they tell you to do. And I know about rock. And so I left New York and I went out to California. I thought, I'll go out there and start over. And I met a guy who was looking for an apartment. And there was another guy looking for an apartment who was wearing a press pass. And I said to him, uh, hey, why are you wearing a press pass? Well, I'm a, I'm a writer and I write for Rolling Stone and I write for Cream and I'm the West Coast editor of Cream and I write for Esquire and this and that. And that guy turned out to be Ed Ward, who for many years on, on Fresh Air on NPR, he was the rock historian. And he was one of the first editors at Rolling Stone. And that was it. He introduced me, you know, he, he kind of got me freelance work from Cream and, uh, uh, and then, uh, and then, a, a mutual friend of ours um, went to Cream to be the interim editor and called me up and said, "Do you want to come here and be the copy boy?" Uh, eventually, I would be managing editor, but I started it as the quote-unquote copy boy, which is the lowest rung on the editorial ladder. So I went out to Detroit and, 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 and did that, and, and Lester Bangs and John Morrison picked me up at the airport, and uh, and that was the beginning of a. Of a of a wild ride, and definitely a drunken night, and then a wild ride. <laughs> and what year was this? This is 1975. So, uh, trying to think what band, you know, it's the emergence of Roxy Music, and uh, oh, what other bands were hot right then? But, you know, it was kind of Bowie's peak period, and uh, uh, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, yeah, true, true, and all, and uh, and you know the Stooges had fallen apart, and the MC Five had fallen apart, but they still lived on in the hearts of everybody living in Detroit. So this was, yeah, and the Motor City was um, kind of like the 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 heartland of rock and roll because it was uh, an industrial town, and uh, you guys were right in the center of. Uh, you had a lot of bands to talk about at that time, uh, and. Um, so you moved to Detroit to work for Cream? I did. Yes, I did. I, I, yeah, I was there about 18 months. And, and who would have known that like 40-some years later, it still, it still has some currency. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, the, the, the legend lives on. And, uh, and there is a documentary out now, correct, of uh, the Cream magazine? Yeah. Uh, Great new documentary. And you should definitely see it because it's funny that, you know, the actor Jeff Daniels, you know, from Dumb and Dumber and other, many other things. But he talks, he was a Cream fan, and he's on, he's on a lot of talking heads on, on, on screen. And he talks about uh, buying Cream was like buying Playboy to him. He had to hide it from his parents <laughs> and, and that. You know, so just what you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, yeah, is there any way, because... What I'm doing is I'm waiting because I know it's been out for a while and I know it was premiered like I don't know several months ago in Detroit. Well, yeah, yeah, yes. But they were waiting. That was before it got distribution. But now it has a group distributor, and now it's out in the theatrical uh, virtual theaters. 
Will there be like a DVD uh, Blu-ray release? Oh yeah, there is coming. Uh, I believe in early September. I don't know. It's in September, I, I believe. And it's right now. It's in virtual theaters for the next couple of weeks, and then it's going to go, you know, to Amazon and all that stuff. And then there and there's going to be a DVD. I believe around the same time. Okay, so as yeah. we, as we're recording this, there is no streaming of it. It's just shown in theaters. Oh no, no, it's showing in quote virtual theaters, so it's actually streaming. But you, you know, if you go to the creammag.com website, cream, m a g, c r e e m, m a g, dot com, you'll get the, you'll you can get directions to where to download it. Yeah, I so, think I. I have to watch. I, I do, you know, I am a, a collector. I need hard copies of everything, but it's been out for so long. I, I had no idea you can see it online, so I'm definitely going to also view it tonight. I wish I could have viewed it before uh, talking to you because um, I, I, I'm i I'm very curious to see, you know, the whole story behind this amazing magazine. Yeah, yeah it's a good, well, it actually premiered a a little over a year ago at South by Southwest. But then it was looking for a distributor and they were very picky about distributors so they didn't actually find one that, that they liked until, well, this past June or so and uh, or May, I forget. And they, uh, and it's the same guys who did that um, Laurel Canyon documentary, the um, Linda Ronstadt documentary that was recent. But, you know, they got a really good track record. So, and this the movie has gotten fantastic press so. Yeah, I, uh, a friend of mine, you probably know him, his name, Mark Cicchini, he actually went to the Detroit uh, screening, and he could, right. he could not stop talking how amazing it was. And, yeah, uh, it's really good. It's really good. They did a great job, yeah. So and I got to be story consultant. So uh, while you were working there, uh, was there any, like, you know, um, you well, you know, you don't have to name bands, but was there any bands that were, like, upset over some of the criticism or the jokes you guys would uh, poke at uh, certain bands back then? Oh, for sure. You know, there are some bands that I think liked it because you, you get tired of people kissing your ass. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, there's a, a famous story um, uh, that's told in the documentary of when uh, one of the reviewers, Rick Johnson, who was a, a freelancer, but he, was, he could be funny as hell and he, he could be nasty too. And he wrote a nasty review of the first Runaways album. And so Joan Jett wrote in an, an angry letter, said, I'm coming up there to kick Rick Johnson's ass. Uh, and, uh, and you know, he, he, who, who, how dare he, you know. She did a very Joan Jett tough letter. And, uh, and so, yes, she definitely got mad. She's in the documentary, too, talking about that letter. It's, it's a fun moment. And, uh, and of course, you know, all that stuff where, um, I don't, Lester Banks had an on-running kind of uh, back and forth with Lou Reed, and Lou Reed really, you know, the, Lester made jokes about them having a death match, but Lou Reed hated Lester's guts. Uh, having recently run into a friend of Lou's, and I mentioned Lester, and he's like, yeah, uh, Lou hated Lester. So, um, <laughs> You know, Lester made fun of his girlfriend at the time. It, it, it wasn't probably the best thing to do. And uh, so, uh, Lester, Lester could be 
open wound. Give him Lou Reed. Did, did Lester actually make fun of his girlfriend on the magazine? In the magazine, you know, oh, yes. He oh. wrote, he, yeah. And, and, and Lou's girlfriend, I think, was transgender, and, and so it, it, it kind of had a, it was not, it wasn't nice. So to get an interview. I'm laughing, but it wasn't nice. To get an interview with Lou Reed after that was impossible, I would take it. I think that was the last round that they had, yeah. Uh, Lester and him. You know, even though I maintain that, that without... Uh, I'm not defending Lester doing that. That was that was not really good. And uh, But I, I think without Lester, you know, Lou Reed would have never... And the Velvet Underground would have never been rediscovered and kind of raised high on the on the, you know... Alt Rock Mount Rushmore. Right. And uh, that boy, what? that boy Howdy Beer, was there actually, was it just a can? Or was there actually beer in there? Or any liquid? Yeah, well, there was no, there was, it wasn't an, actually a beer. Those were like stickers. And and if, if we were on video, I could show, I, I have, still have a drawer full of them here. Uh, um, I found in one of my boxes recently a drawer, you know, a, a bunch of the Bowie Howdy beer stickers. So they would put them on, and it was a parody. But, you know, I realized, I saw somebody talking about it the other day. It was a parody of uh, Dewar Scotch had a, had a long-running ad campaign called Dewar's Profiles. So this became Cream Profiles, and instead of fancy scotch, it was beer. So there, people don't know that there was, that that's, what was behind the whole thing but Lester wrote a lot of they were funny they were funny oh yeah so. and he'd always have uh, bands uh, posing with the beards were that like at shows or did you have any like uh, I know there's a famous story this was a year before or maybe it was after you were there I'm not sure because uh, I know the band Kiss started in 74 and there's that famous story where they said uh, oh it's okay to uh, take pictures without the makeup were you around by that time well, I was I was there in like '75, and I and I I knew them, and um, but somebody else told me this story. I don't. I, I, I either I'm forgetting this story or I never knew it. Yeah, uh, the story. Yeah, that they uh, said. Oh, management said it was okay to take pictures without the makeup, and they did. And then afterwards, the management said, "Oh, we 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 didn't okay that." And. Yeah, huh. And it was, uh, and it was in the magazine, and uh, I don't know how people didn't latch on to that because there was still that mystique of not knowing what they look like without the makeup, but there was actually uh, um, uh, a page of them without the makeup. But the funny thing about that was they still worked with you guys after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were big advertisers. Uh, well, you know, the, the magazine, uh, I, I think it supported them. You know, for the most part, supported them. And, uh, you know, Jan Uhelski did that great story where she went and appeared on stage with them uh, in makeup. Um, so, you know, there was some love for, for Kiss. There was some mockery for Kiss, but there was also some love. Yeah, they were, uh, they, they would sell, I'm sure they would sell a lot of copies when you'd put them on the cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Because sure, they, yeah. they were huge back then. Um, okay. Yeah, they... And uh, so, being being with the magazine, how many years were you with them? Well, I was on staff there for a year and a half. 
and uh, but I wrote for him before that, and I wrote for him after that. So you know, I, I don't. You know, it was yeah, I don't know five six years. Okay, five you know. five six years with them. So um, I was a youngster when I arrived there. I was when I arrived in Detroit. I was like twenty one, maybe twenty two. Okay, so you come from. Uh, did you say you came from San Francisco, or you moved there before um, you met? No, the- I, I was. I, I I lived all over the place, but I was born in the Midwest. But I had been living in New York, and and then I well, I spent a year in San Francisco uh, along that time, and that's where I met. Ed Ward and John Morthland and the guys who gave me my job. Um, so, yeah, pick a city. I, I may have lived there. So, uh, were you? But yeah, I, I came came from New York to Detroit. Were you doing any journalism before you joined them? Yeah, I mean, I I, I started freelance writing and I wrote for uh, I wrote for Cream, but I wrote for oh um, oh some. You know, I, again, I was living out here for one year in, back in the early days, and uh, I moved back here a long time ago. But uh, I, uh, no, I wrote for you know, I wrote for local magazines. There was there was you know, kind of city magazines in San Francisco. So I wrote music stuff for them, and uh, you know, not a ton. So Cream was really my big my big break, and, and it was where you, you know I had to crank out a lot of stuff, and. Uh, on deadline, and, and that's just, you can't beat that training. Plus, I'm working in the shadow of Lester Banks, who was really, um, you know, a mad genius, and uh, so you learn. It was great training, yeah. in a strange way, because it was, it was chaos, and it was, you know, lots of drinking and carrying on, and uh, drugs, and, you know, it was, it was wild, but in the, Mixed in with all that, we got a lot of work done. So, so basically, like there was a an office in Detroit, uh, like a cream office, where all you were there uh, working on the magazine. There was an office in. Uh, it started in Detroit. They moved out to. They tried having a kind of commune situation way out in the country, and then they moved back to a suburb of Detroit called Birmingham. It wasn't quite as fancy then as it is now, but it was a. a so we had an office, I don't know, maybe there was, oh, 25, 20 people in that office, but, you know, part of, the, you know, six or eight of them, the editorial staff and the rest was business, yeah. So we were all there up above the Birmingham Movie Theater, uh, second floor, um, and uh, Lester was there, and we had a little editorial room where it was me and Lester and Susan Whitehall later on, and various other people in the fourth slot so 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 during this yeah. time while you guys were working there was also partying going on oh my god i mean you know it, again it was, you know we're all pretty young i was 21 22 and uh so we would you know every night and by night i mean pretty late we went there was an italian restaurant down the road and we would go and they served giant uh, goblets of beer, so we and it was pretty cheap. So we would go there and just drink ourselves stupid <laughs> and eat eat Italian food. And then just before uh, the two o'clock curfew, you know, the the when they turned off all the booze everywhere, we'd rush to the to the uh, 
big drugstore and get a bunch of six packs of beer and then go drink someplace else. And then, you know, at five in the morning, go to Jack in the Box. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would uh, drag in, you know, we would, the editorial staff wouldn't usually show up till afternoon, you know. So, uh, but we still got a lot. So there's a lot of partying. And plus, you know, some nights there was, you know, we'd be going to a, a show. Many nights we'd be going to a show and, and you might party with rock stars afterwards. And so that would, you know, there were, I saw many dawns in uh, Detroit. So, so, so basically, you guys would party all night and then work in the afternoon the, the next day. Is that how it worked? Yeah, afternoon into evening. It sounds like we. It, the way you're saying it, it sounds like we weren't doing a lot of work. We were doing a lot of work, and and we were also doing other things. We were we we're playing. It didn't yes, sound like that, did... that's more or less the schedule. Didn't sound like there was a lot of sleeping going on. Well, probably not. There was a lot of hangovers going on, I must say. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was very much, I mean, I think that's uh, part of what characterized Cream was it was, you know, they called themselves, or we called ourselves, America's only rock and roll magazine. And we were, in many ways, living the, you know, rock and roll lifestyle uh, you know, hard drinking, hard drugging, and, uh, and, you know, <laughs> tomorrow be damned. So, um, you know, and eventually it caught up with some people, but, you know, uh, we lost Lester when he was, uh, you know, 30, I think he was 33 when he died. Mm. And, and others. Barry, the publisher, he, 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 died of nitrous oxide of all things wow. and uh, and so you know there was some of that uh, somehow I survived and uh, and I, I lived to tell the tale so, so did you have like were there ever like bands that would come to to where you guys worked at oh oh yeah 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 I mean God, I think Kiss was up there. I wasn't there, but but I, I believe they were up there. Maybe Gene was up there. I can't remember. Um, you know, uh, there's a great story told in the documentary about when Alice Cooper Alice Cooper came up. Oh, you, you'll have to see the movie to, to see this story because um, it's Chad Smith of the Chili Peppers, the Chili Peppers drummer, tells the story. He lived in the neighboring town, and he. Figured, figured out that Cream was in, in his neighboring town, so he rode his bike over as a kid. And and here comes Alice Cooper out the front door. Uh, he tells it really wonderfully in, in the movie. But uh, so, oh, he, there was always bands. Um, oh, Iggy, Iggy was up there uh, one day. And uh, I know that, again, another story from the movie, Barry, Barry Kramer, who uh, knew him, uh, dumped a barrel of trash on him and said, you know, why aren't you saying hello? And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a very irreverent place, you know, iconoclastic, as they say. Right. And, but then also there were a lot of times you would uh, conduct the interviews at, at their shows. Yeah, we'd go, we'd do interviews backstage, we'd go on the road sometimes. I mean, that, you know, we liked it. 
that was it was better to go on the road with the band and kind of be be embedded with them uh, for a few days. That that produced a better story. And uh, but oh, we'd interview them wherever we could get them. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So that was that was all that was going on. And uh, yeah, I, I have I have boxes of interview tapes, which I try to. Re- retrieve in recent years and it's like oh they're you know some of them are too messed up you can't you can't listen to them right well it would be so, good the, the ones that do actually still function to like put them up somewhere i'm sure a lot of people would love to hear those well yeah there, there's a there's a um there's a website called rocks back pages and they archive rock critics stuff and they they their subscription site and mostly aimed at libraries and stuff and they, they've got a bunch of stuff I wrote up there and they asked me for my tapes and I gave them some of the tapes and, 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 and some, like I have a, a Bruce Springsteen tape that's, that's, that's just fucked up it's, I have a really several tapes of, of Springsteen and I have a Freddie Mercury tape that was they were very excited about but we couldn't get it all to play back so, uh, yeah, those are the days. That's uh, that's the bad thing about tapes, man. They don't. Uh, I think you have to bake them or something. Well, I don't even know those type of tapes. You can bake them because that was just regular those cassettes. Cassette tapes. Yeah, little yeah. cassette tapes. Well, and uh, yeah. I'm looking at some cream because I still got the same magazines I've had since a little kid. I'm looking at one now. It says, uh, like, kissing Tokyo. Did you guys go to Tokyo? Did you, were you around by that time? I, that was probably, that sounds like it was after my time, but um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we went, to, I don't think anybody went to Tokyo. Maybe they did. You know, every once in a while you get an overseas trip. That, that was cool. I remember the, the class got, uh, they flew Lester over to do a story uh, on a, on a, British on their British a British tour that they did and uh, uh, so I I suspect nobody went to Tokyo but uh, I'd have to see who wrote it if Jan wrote it maybe they she went to Tokyo okay yeah because I'm seeing like uh, uh, just Tokyo uh, pictures and stories of Tokyo but yeah, yeah. like you said I'm not sure about oh, yeah. that sometimes I mean we were scrappy and and you know, the, the low budget. You know, there was no budget for for the magazine. Most of the time, there was no budget for the magazine to fly anybody. You know, very far. Yeah, you know, certainly not out of the country. But um, were so, there uh, were there any like rivalries with like you know other magazines like Circus or Rolling Stones or Hip Parader at the time? Well, sure. I mean. The, the entire positioning of Cream as America's only rock and roll magazine was aimed at as a, you know, that was given the finger to Rolling Stone because, you know, our position was, you know, Rolling Stone had turned into a music, a, a movie and celebrity magazine, that it was no longer, and, and you know, a soft rock magazine. It was no longer, uh, you know, credible in, in, in the the real uh, rock and roll world. So, so that was that was the almost the defining rivalry. The, the, the definition of cream was in opposition to uh, Rolling Stone, 
And, you know, Circus, uh, for sure, you know, I mean, and again, I wrote for all of them. I wrote for Circus at one point. In fact, the, the, I remember the publisher asked me, did I want to be the be the editor of Circus at one point, and I, and I didn't do it. But, uh, you know, in Circus, uh, Circus, it seemed like, again, like Rolling Stone, Cream was, was willing to trash rock stars and trash their work uh, and to ch- and to champion people who were kind of outsiders of the rock establishment like the Velvet Underground or Lou Reed. And so, um, you know, we thought that the circus was a, was a little bit too uh, industry cozy. You know, we wanted to be, you know, rebel outsiders. And uh, that's how it was... Uh, I mean, that was the voice of the magazine, was uh, rebellious and, um, you know, n- no ass-kissing. And basically, you all lived that lifestyle, you know? I mean, um, so what you got from Cream Magazine was basically really rock and roll, you know? Well, it's, it's true. It, it really was. It was like uh, writing it and living it. And, uh, and you know... I didn't myself learn. I mean, I came from a rock and roll band, um, so I didn't learn it from them. But I, I, I found a home there. You know, it was it was the uh, pretty much the wildest office job you could ever have. <laughs> That's great. And uh, so, so what what have you what have you been doing uh, since uh, Cream Magazine? Well, I went. You know, I, I after I left Cream, I, I was a freelancer for like ten years, and uh, I wrote for. There's not a music magazine that ever existed that I didn't write for, and I had I had columns in a few of them, and and I wrote a bunch of books. I wrote that the Kiss book in '78. Uh, I wrote a book called The Noise in in '84. Uh, I wrote a book. Uh, supposed to be called the rock and roll book of the dead but it was they, they changed the title to uh, only the good die young i didn't really want a billy joel title, as my <laughs> book title but, but whatever and uh and what else? oh and then i i ghost wrote a book and then and then uh and then i had to had to uh and then i had a kid so i had to make some money so i became a uh, a copywriter an advertising copywriter and uh and went on from there. So you've been doing that ever since. Well, I've been yeah, I've been doing that for yeah for a, for a long time. Yeah, I moved out here to San Francisco. I moved back to San Francisco after being here for a year, and that's where I've been for the last thirty years. And uh, I mean, I'm out outside of San Francisco, but um, yeah. And I so I became a copywriter, and eventually, uh, uh, a young partner and I started our own uh, ad and design firm and and, uh, and uh, one of the things we did was also start a record company and eventually uh, and uh, and, we, and now we've had that for 30 years oh wow what, what which record company is this well the, the record company is the record company you never would have heard it's called tip records and it's a but there's another tip records like in in, in England well, we're Tip Records, you know, USA, but and we put out three records, and uh, we put, they were great records, actually. Um, 
you know Gary Wilson, the experimental uh, kind of avant rock performer. He's very, uh, you know, he's a very wacky guy. Anyways, we put out a record by him. We put out a record by a group called Easy Street, who were wonderful, and they were kind of a neo disco thing, and, and slightly tongue in cheek, but they were they were really great. And, and it was a, it was a, basically these two folks, and they were both killed in that Oakland fire, the big, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the ghost ship fire there, just tragically. And and then a, a, we put out a lounge, uh, this guy, a lounge singer who was a, who was affiliated with Gary Wilson, and and uh, uh, my brother and I produced it and wrote all the songs, and it's, it's, it's a great Donnie Fennell is his name. So we put out some records and. Haven't put out a record in a while, you know. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be careful with your money. Um, Especially how times are today and, with uh, selling records. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So you know, I continued. I did that to make a living, and I continue. I have a, you know, I'm in my recording studio. I have a recording studio downtown, downstairs in my house, and I, you know, make make music and do voiceovers and stuff. I did do a bunch of the voiceovers in the, in the cream movie. And, uh, and you know, and, and my kid went on, one of my kids, well, one of my kids is a published writer and the other kid was the publisher. He lived in Russia for nine years and he was the publisher of vice magazine, vice media in Russia. So oh. it seems like kind of a, a little bit of a full circle. Do you still, uh, I mean, I know because of the, you know, this whole documentary, uh, you still keep in touch with everybody you work with back then? It's still around? Well, I, 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 I lost touch with them for about 10 years, and then somebody found me. And uh, it's funny, there's a great story um, that one of my old colleagues there at Cream wrote, when, Sue Whitehall, when she was at the... Uh, She's still at the Detroit News, but she wrote a column one time when Bruce Springsteen came to town and he was playing a show and it was like, I don't know when it was, maybe it was the 80s, uh, maybe early 90s, I don't know, but he came to town and there was a press conference and he made everybody wait and he went over to her and he says, uh, and she wrote this in her column, she said, uh, uh, the one thing Bruce wanted to know is where's Duncan? Where's Duncan? Oh, wow. And... Uh, mm-hmm. And she said, uh, well, nobody's seen him for like 10 years. So, uh, you know, and, and, and I didn't and I didn't see her. Eventually, we, you know, a few years later, we got in touch somehow. And uh, and uh, she sent me that column. And, and a few years after that, I, I went to a thing where Bruce was. And uh, we met again. And he was, and, uh, he was quite... He was gracious. That's great. He didn't recognize me at first. I, I, you know, I don't look exactly the same as I did 30 <laughs> years ago. So, so, and <laughs> other than Bruce, is there any of the, the musicians back then that you uh, interviewed and got friendly with? You, you ever hear from any of them? Oh, well, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I wish I could hear from Bruce, but Bruce is so, you know, he's got his, he's surrounded by management and, all that, so yeah, I would love to get in touch because we really did have kind of a, uh, a great uh, friend, friendship blooming. Um, 
camera uh, every so often, and you know, I communicate with her on the on the on the uh, Facebook, and you know, I where did I I saw them in, in the last year or two. Um, so those guys who are guys I met through Cream became good friends, and we went to well, to, to, Buck Dharma came to our wedding, and we went to the Alan Lanier, the keyboardist. We went to his wedding. And um, so, uh, you know, Patty Smith, we became, uh, my wife and I separately, well, we, we both knew separately that the boys are called Aunt Patty Smith. And we've kept in touch with Patty Smith. So when she comes through town, you know, we see her and, uh, and we hang out. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that's somebody from those of the day. Great. Well, you should be very proud. You do. You have li- lived uh, quite a full life uh, with, you know, uh, with all. I mean, your it's about three quarters full. Well, three quarters full. I like mean, so little. so far, I meant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And and your memory, you know, the memories of uh, of your days with Cream and and after and beforewards. I mean, not a lot of people get to say things you say, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was and it was amazing, and it's and it's really nice to see it be memorialized in the documentary. There's a lot of cream stuff in, in Loudmouth, you know. Loudmouth is a novel, but it's based on my own life. You know, my own coming of age, you know, from, from the first time I heard Elvis in my hot rod gangster brother's car to, you know, to uh, 
leaving New York for San Francisco, uh, you know, 10 years, 20 years later. Well, a lot so, of people would love to be in your shoes, man. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> I tell the fun parts. I don't tell the boring, terrifying parts either. Yeah, <laughs> it's not all peaches and cream, you know, but, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> Did you ever work for uh, Hip Parader? I, you know, I think uh, along the way I wrote something for them, I believe. I, I, I literally, there's probably not a magazine I didn't write for, and I think Hip Parader was one of them. Uh, you know, I may have written a couple of things, but I never worked on staff there. The only magazine I worked on staff was with was Cream. Um, and like I said, it was a wild office job. It, 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 I tell you, it spoils you for other jobs. You tr- you go get another job. It's like, oh shit, this, this jobs suck. I didn't know they, <laughs> I didn't know they suck. So, uh, yeah. whatever. You actually had we to kind of work <laughs> at our at our at our company. We, it's you know, people come to interview us now about the company because it's a wacky company. We have all this music. We have our own bar. We have and. Um, and I say, well, it's kind of based on cream, right? So, I mean, we, 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 I carry the torch. Yeah, because uh, well, you know, uh, Hip Parader to me, they were they didn't really fact check a lot. They were kind of like a National Enquirer of rock magazines. Where yeah, yeah. A lot of things they said that weren't true, and they would yeah. really. I mean, I think they would upset people more than Cream because at least Cream was being honest. Where they would just yeah. make up stories. Because yeah. as far as I know, I don't think Cream ever made up stories. Well, not... We definitely did make up stories. But that was to be funny. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, to, in a joking way. But they were like, right. say, uh, oh, this band member joined this band where it wasn't true. Or this band's having problems. Yeah. Like the inside stuff. I don't think Cream ever got involved in that. Though I never seen it, you know. Well, when I was coming up, I, Hip Parader was around forever, and I always thought of it as kind of a, it was a magazine for teeny boppers, for, mostly for teenage girls, you know? Right. So, you know, that's that was before Rolling Stone. I mean, when Rolling Stone arrived, it was like, oh, shit, a real magazine. It's not a, just a teeny bopper thing. Right. And then Cream, and then Rolling Stone kind of went south, and, and Cream Rose. Yeah, Rolling Stone for me was always kind of a, an elitist type of uh, magazine. That's how I saw them. I, I, was, I never really followed Rolling Stone. I mean, Cream was my magazine. That's when I would, yeah, I would yeah. gravitate to because it spoke to me more than, you know, how these people would dictate, you know, uh, what good music is and what's not. Where Cream would publish stuff of bands that they didn't even like. They didn't care. Yeah, and yeah, it's it, true. And I love that about him. Well, Robert, yeah, it was fun. Well, you, you've got to see that that documentary and and, and read loud mouth while you're at it. I I will. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I'm just plugging my book. You know, it comes out October sixth, but it's you can pre-order it all over the place, uh, any place now, like Amazon so, and so forth. Amazon. Uh, bookshop.org you know all you go to, my website has uh, duncanwrites.com 
has a buy tab, and you'll see. I, I'm not selling them there, but there's a link to all the uh, the places you can pre-order it right now. And when it comes out on October 6th, it's you know it's it's published by a, a New York publisher, and it's going to be the, the company called Three Rooms Press, and it's going to be in uh, it, it'll be in bookstores everywhere. It's distributed by uh, the biggest independent distributor in in the world, so. Great. Can you get, can you tell the people what the uh, basically the, what the book's about? The book is a coming of age story about a boy who comes from a uh, conservative kind of southern gothic scary family becomes a uh, tries to become a rock star and winds up at the magazine that invented uh, punk rock and uh, and and then has a bunch of crazy adventures and winds up in New York and hits bottom and then meets a wonderful uh, woman who happened to also be a rock photographer. So uh, it's a lot based on my uh, my life and uh, and uh, and with all the boring parts left out and uh, and the good parts amplified. It sounds like something I want to buy. Is it, you said it's pre? You can pre-order it now. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. It's, Available for pre-order now. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely Amazon. do that. Yeah, yeah, if you go to Duncan Wright's, like Wright's as in uh, W-R-I-T-E-S uh, dot com, you'll see the the buy tab, and, and and you can you'll be able to you can buy it wherever you want. Well, Robert, thank you so much for your time. Uh, well, been... thank you so much, Ralph. It's my pleasure entirely. Yeah, it, my Sorry pleasure about the as technical well. Glitches. I never. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it's. I'm. I'm sure it's going to sound fine. But yeah, I, I just want to say that. Uh, you know, you're, you're part and cream. Uh, just to let you know that that magazine helped me a lot through my uh, my preteens and my early teens. And uh, I just want to let you know how special that magazine was for me. And it was an honor talking to you, my friend. Well, that's uh, that's so that's so great to hear. I very much appreciate it. Keep in touch. See that damn documentary? You, you just gotta go. I'm you gonna gotta, do. I'm, put I'm, it on tonight. I'm doing it tonight. I, I promise you. And I'm. Uh, can I pre-order? The, can I pre-order the hard copy now, or do I have to wait? You can pre-order Loudmouth now. Yeah. Oh, oh, the hard copy of the the uh, movie. Thing. Yeah, the documentary. Uh, I don't know. You know, I I I, I think you're, it's still. I don't know if you go to Cream Mag, so that's got two M's in the middle. CreamMag.com. They got all that. That's you know that's the uh, that's run by J.J. Kramer, who's the son of the publisher who was there when I was there, and he's the producer of the documentary. And so all information cream is there. I will do it, and I promise you, I will not only watch the movie tonight, but I am gonna pre-order Loudmouth as well tonight. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, but we'll keep in touch. If I can do anything for you, let me know, and uh, or if you ever want to talk again, I'm. I like to talk. I would love to do that. So, Robert, again, thank you so much for your time. and uh, Pleasure's mine. Pleasure's mine. Thank you very much. And all the luck to you, my friend. Okay. You too. (laughs) Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a great guy Robert is, man. A lot of cool stories. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I thought it was great. Now, it's time to go into, you know... The Vieira Vault. (laughs) 
this week on the Vieira Vault, I want to play you something. You know, I was thinking, what about what what song can I play that would represent this episode? You know, Cream Magazine. Well, I thought, you know, Cream Magazine was from Detroit, so that's as close as I can think of anything. I'm gonna play a band from Detroit, and it's the very first band I ever seen live. My first concert was Cheap Trick and the Rockets. The Rockets opened the show. And uh, they were great. And that album, I think it's either self-titled or... I have it on vinyl or turn up the radio. I think it's just self-titled. They do an awesome cover of Fleetwood Mac's Oh Well that I'm going to play for you now. This is awesome. I love this song. Hope you do too. Crank it up. I'm in. I can't sing, I ain't pretty, and my legs are thin. Don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to.
the Rockets with their Fleetwood Mac cover, Oh Well. All right, so thank you, everybody listening right now, and everybody that shares this podcast and what have you. Uh, I'm having so much fun doing this now. And I appreciate the support you all give me. It's just awesome. Keep them coming. Keep the support coming because I got episodes coming. I'm not stopping. Every single week I'll have something new because I have a good backlog of episodes now. That uh, And I'm working on some new ones. It's never ending. So thank you so much everybody for supporting and sharing and you know leave me some Apple Music reviews you know it used to be called iTunes I'd appreciate it I'll read it on the air and give you a shout out and again thanks everybody how many times do I have to say thank you you know what I can't say it enough because I think I thank you <laughs> If the sun refused to shine, I will still be loving you. And uh, check out uh, my YouTube page, Almost Human, The Dr. Fuck Show, on ThatMetalStation.com on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And what else? Oh, uh, this podcast belongs to them. I'm usually on there talking King Diamond. I think I've been on every King Diamond episode so far. And Merciful Fate. And, you know, big shout out to Wayne Noon from Rat Salad Reviews, who also carries the Vieira Vault now. Uh, check out Rat Salad Reviews. They got a lot of killer, different kind of podcasts. And uh, maybe I should... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to play out a commercial from Rat Salad Reviews. Tack it on to the end of this. Eh, why not? The guy supports me. I have to support him. Till next time, everybody, smack them a gob. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack em a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for those who love politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Ex-Stradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcasts. So check out RatSaddleReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.